Welcome to the Revivify Church Podcast. Here at Revivify, we exist to bring people into a fully devoted relationship with Jesus. As you listen, we pray that you experience a life-changing love of Jesus and come to know him in a deeper way. Two years, the Lord has had this word in my spirit for Mother's Day, and I haven't done it, and the Lord has kind of beat me up over it. So, what I'm going to do is I'm not going to try to preach you a three-point sermon. I don't know how to do that. That's not what I'm called to do. Um, I'm just going to share th- my thoughts with you, what God dropped in my heart, and then I'm going to let him clean up the mess when I'm finished. <laughs> so if you'll just pray for me that I'll be able to deliver to you what he gave to me, um, I'd appreciate that. Uh, as moms, we spend a lot of time frustrated Chasing our tail. You ever tried to put a two-year-old in a car? Yes. Yes. And, yeah, somebody, Nikki has twins. I don't know how in the world. I would watch her come in with these babies week after week by herself. Um, Her husband not sitting here with her in service. And she would have them from the time they were little, two car seats, all their stuff. I mean, faithfully bringing them here. Um. And what happens is if we're not careful, we get into this this cycle of life that's just run, 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 run. And when they're babies, they're infants, we're thinking, well, when they're a little older, we'll sleep. When they're a little older, we'll sleep. We'll be okay. We'll be okay. And then they get to be toddlers, and we think, well, you know, when they go to preschool, we'll get to have a few minutes, and we'll think. And then they go to preschool, and we think, well, preschool... That didn't do it for me. So maybe elementary school will do it. And then by this time, we've put them in, you know, sports and ballet and all of these different things that we put our children in because it's supposed to help them be more well-rounded, right? Um, And we're chasing them through that. And then they go to elementary school. And sweet Lord, then the, the drama starts, right? And we think if we ever get through elementary school, they'll know who they are, they'll be more settled, and high school will be good. And then high school gets here. And then before you know it, they're walking down an aisle and they're getting married. And if you're not careful, you're sitting there, and I've watched too many people do it, you're sitting there at a wedding going, I missed it. I missed life because I was busy. I missed life because I was frustrated. I missed life because I was in this cycle of just craziness all the time. Mothers, you are the most important figure in a child's life in those formidable years. Your frustration comes off on them. Have you ever seen a baby who was, who was whiny, who cried a lot, and that mother hand that baby to somebody else and it go, and it was quiet? There's nothing more frustrating to a mom than when that happens. But it's because they feel that anxiety in you. And so what I want to talk to you about today is getting out of the cycle of life, just doing life, just getting to work, get up, my God, we got to get the kids ready, get them in a car seat, get them in a car seat, my gosh, get them in a car seat. If we only had videos of everybody doing that every morning, that'd be great. Get them to school on time or to daycare on time so I cannot get fired for being late the third time this week. And then we get off work and it's about just running running back to pick them up. Have they eaten anything? Good Lord, when's the last time I gave them a bath? They got to get a bath at some point, right? 
And do they have homework? And when you think back, how much time have you actually spent, quality time, with your children? See, what we do now is we buy these cool little gadgets. We get phones, we get iPads, and we're no longer having conversations because we're giving them something to entertain them. Because honestly, think about it, Mom. If you get in the car and you can have 10 minutes of quiet time, you feel like it's probably going to save your sanity, right? But what you're really missing is getting to know the heart of your child. We had some of the most unbelievable um, God talks in our car. Remember, there were days that we would drive up at the house. Um, we'd drive into our, our garage, and we would sit there, not with the car on and the garage door down. <laughs> we didn't do that. <laughs> but we would sit there. And there were times, I remember when we were in Vegas, about two hours one night. We, know, we didn't even get out of the car and go in the house. Because there was this conversation that my children had initiated about the Bible study that they had just heard at church on a midweek service. That was the most important thing. Bedtime wasn't important. School the next morning wasn't important. But that moment in teaching them what God was saying to them or helping them understand what God was saying to them was so important. And I think what we do is we discount the power of the calling and anointing over children. There is no junior Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit in your children is the same one in you. And maybe even greater because he tells us to come like a child. And so when we're going through life and we're putting these things, and I'm not telling you that if your child has an iPad that you're a terrible, I'm not telling you that. Please don't get that. But when it becomes our default that we're just giving this to them constantly, that we're setting them in front of a game system when they get home, we're setting them in front of a TV, we're doing anything to get quiet time. You're missing speaking into their lives because what's happening is they're going to a school that seven to eight hours a day, somebody's speaking into their life. And if you're not doing that when they get home, if you're just on autopilot and you're waiting for a Sunday school teacher to speak over them or a pastor to speak over them, you're missing the greatest opportunity. You see those strong-willed children that, that some of you have. <laughs> I get them on Wednesday nights. I know how strong-willed they are. Um, what as a parent you need to recognize is those are leadership skills. And it's your job to help put them on the right path to lead with those. That child who seems to get their feelings hurt very easily, that's that child who's sensitive, who will always hear the, the voice of God very clearly. And it's your job as mama to help them know how to do that. See, I guess I should read scripture so it becomes biblical, right? Yeah, that would work. <laughs> In Luke 1, um, verse 39 through 41. So what happened was Mary had just been told that she was going to have, have a child. And so she went to her cousin Elizabeth's house, which was about six months pregnant. And that's where this is. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child left within her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't tell me that your children do not have a calling on them from a young age. Early. And if you don't call it out in them, something in the world will call things out in them, and they will be away from God. You know, when, when my son was born, um, and I had, that was nice, privilege on Mother's Day of leading worship with him, but um, my grandmother was at the hospital, and my grandmother was 
unbelievably powerful woman of God. She pastored a church for over 40 years when it was not okay for a woman to be a pastor. Um, had just amazing things come out of her ministry, but she was at the hospital when, when my son was born. And I remember she took him and she held him and she started to prophesy over him. And I was young. Um, I got married at 17. And Not because you had to. I had, had Devin when I was 19. I think I was too young to understand the power of that moment right then. But it stuck with me forever. And she prophesied over him that she said some people are, are called as, as children, some are called as teenagers, some are called as adults. But like John, some are called from the womb. She said, and this child has been called from the womb. And she told me what his personality would be. She said, and the reason his personality would be, will be this is because he will clearly hear the voice of the Lord. And so you are to protect the sensitivity in him when he starts to get bullied at school. And when people start to make fun of him for, for crying in church, you are to protect that because that is the same sensitivity you want him to have to the voice of God. Grandmothers in here that think you, you've messed up and that you haven't done right with your children, Prophesy over your grandchildren. Speak over your grandchildren. The words that you speak when they come out of your mouth become a prophetic declaration over their lives, whether good or bad. Yeah. Every time you look at that child and say, you're, you're a bad child. Why are you so bad? You're declaring that over that child. You speak into what you want them to be. You speak into what you see that God has for them. And if you don't know, mama, you need to get on your face before God. You only have them for a moment. I know right now in the cycle of things, it seems like, will this phase ever end? But I promise you, I blinked. And my second child walked down the aisle to get married. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful because I didn't get it all right. Lord knows there's been a lot of grace and a lot of forgiveness. Thank God. But I felt like I spent that time with them. You know, Autopilot doesn't work with children because when they walk out the doors, those people are not on autopilot grabbing for their attention. The enemy is not on autopilot trying to get your child's attention. So you can't be either. You have got to engage with Holy Spirit and what he's saying over your child so you can declare that over their lives daily, even when you don't see it. Um, we'll see. You're doing good. I'm almost done. I'm not as long-winded as he is. <laughs> Duly, Did I say that? Duly noted. Oh, God. Duly noted. I love you, baby. Uh, John 2, 1. There was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem. You had a teenager tell you that? Jesus was not a teenager, but he still had some sass. Jesus replied, my time has not come yet. But his mother told the servants, you see, she didn't even speak to the child at this point, or to the adult man that was her child. I have to remind myself that Devin is now grown when I call him my child. Um... But she didn't even speak to him. She didn't try to convince him that his time had come. She went to the servant and started telling the servant what to do. Do whatever he tells you. There were six water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. 
Then Jesus spoke. He told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So his servants followed his instructions. And when the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, no, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then every, when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have saved the best for now. This miraculous sign at Cana of Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Who called him out? His mama. How did his mother know that in front of all these people he could do that? I dare say she'd probably been practicing with him at home. She knew what his calling was. See, I knew what the calling was over my children at a young age. And so I invested in them. I spent the money instead of on, and sports are not wrong. Don't get me, don't, don't get me wrong, please. But instead of spending all the money for them to do travel ball and do all of these other things, we invested in instruments. We, sometimes that was very nerve-wracking in a house with drums and guitars and, oh, but it's worth every, everything that we, we endured through that time of them learning. They said they wanted to, to learn an instrument. We found a way to get it, whether we had money or not. If, I, I remember I got a, um, a keyboard at a yard sale one time. And this end didn't work, but this one down here did. But I would go in and I would find them writing songs on that rickety keyboard. Something was being birthed in them. So then we, we spent money. We got lessons. We taught them. We kept them in church. We kept them around the things of God. I'll drive you to Atlanta to a youth conference if I have to because I want you engaged in the presence of God. I remember waking up at night and God just moving on me to go pray over my children. And for a season there, it seemed like it was every night. I'm like, God, can I not sleep? Please just let me sleep. And they knew you don't lock your doors in our house. You can sleep with them closed, but don't lock them because mama will keep knocking on the door until you open it up because I'm going to come pray over you if God says pray over you. <laughs> but it didn't happen on autopilot. I remember praying over them, declaring things over their lives, prophesying over them in their sleep. I wasn't calling out things and screaming and yelling. You don't have, God is not deaf. You don't have to do that. You can, but you don't have to. I didn't need to wake my children up. I just needed to cover them as their mother so that they would, they, when they walked out the doors in the morning, they walked out with a covering over them. They walked out with an anointing over them that they could be world changers and that the world didn't change them. Mm, that's good. That's good. So I guess what I just want to leave you with today from what I felt God speaking to me is, um, you know, I, I need the women to get off of autopilot. I know you're tired. But the scripture says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. If you find yourself exhausted and tired, you need to go back to joy. Joy and happiness are two different things. You may not always feel happy, but there is a joy that comes from within that no matter what your day looks like, no matter how much crazy is going on around you, that you cannot steal my joy on, yeah. because it's deeper than that. So the last thing I just want to say to you before I let him clean my mess up is, I just want to encourage you, get on your face before God. 
Ask God what he's calling your child to do, what direction he's calling. Not that you push them that direction, but you give them every single opportunity to do it. You do whatever it takes. You encourage them in that. When God gives you something for them, you speak it out over them. You speak it to them. Your, your child needs to be very familiar with hearing you speak the words of God to them and over them because that's the way they learn to hear the words of God themselves. Wow. A child hears very clearly from God, but they don't know it until a parent helps to identify what it is they're hearing and help them understand that that's God speaking to you. So that's that's. Wow. Wow. Thanks for listening to the Revivify Church podcast. We hope this leaves you encouraged and inspired to love Jesus more than anything. To connect with us or access other resources, please visit www.revivify.church.